So Luke chapter 5, this morning we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, the fact that we can already feel your spirit moving through through song. And even more, we want to we see you, we want to know you through your word. And so I pray that you would speak for the glory of your name, for our edification, that we may be made more like you, that our joy, that our hope, that our life would rest in you. And I pray that you would receive all honor and all glory for it. You're the one that deserves it. It's yours. I pray you would speak now. We need you. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen. So in this passage, we encounter a man that is desperate. This, is, this man is in a situation that we could not even imagine, and yet, many of us, it feels all too familiar. He is a man, as we're going to see, that is without hope. Without hope until the compassionate Christ who cleanses comes into town. So Luke tells us that while Jesus is in one of the cities, which city we don't know, Jesus has begun his ministry. He's just called some of his first disciples. He's been traveling in the region of Galilee. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching. He's been healing. But while he was in one of the cities in this region, a man approaches him. So this man comes on the scene, and this man is not an ordinary man, but he is a man that is full of leprosy. Now, leprosy is a skin disease, and in the Old Testament, the term leprosy really covers a whole a wide variety of skin diseases. But this man had a particularly bad case because the text says that his body was full of it. Everyone, everyone around him could see the condition that this man was in. You could see the fact that he was a leper. This disease attacks the skin, causing splotches, causing whiteness, and it would actually kill the nerves in the skin and on the extremities of the body. And so, uh, contrary to many people's belief, leprosy itself is not a flesh-eating disease. But what happens... As the nerves die, and you lose feeling throughout the day, throughout the months, throughout the years, a man, an individual would basically hurt themselves and not even realize it. I think we can all relate as we walk through a door, we hit our arm, our shoulder, our foot on something, we stub our toe, and we learn not to do that because we can feel the pain. But with an individual that's covered in leprosy, they don't feel anything any longer. And so they hurt themselves. This man disfigures himself over time and doesn't even realize it. 
He begins to waste away because of this disease, and he does not even realize it. And along with the difficulty that, that comes just from the, the physical nature of the disease, according to the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, Moses writes, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He's, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So not only was this man in a desperate situation physically, but he was also put in isolation away from the rest of the world. As long as he has this disease, he is to be separated. He was not to go near anyone he was to keep his distance. As he approached any group, he was to shout out, unclean, unclean, so that everyone around him was to know to avoid him. He was not allowed to go to Jerusalem. He was not allowed to go to the temple. He was only allowed in certain areas of the local synagogue. All alone, outside of the camp, away from the presence of God and from the people of God, this man was doomed to live and to remain. Because what you'll see and what we'll hear, if you notice in Leviticus, as long he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. It doesn't say how to cure it, what to do if he has it, and what to do if he's cleaned from it. There's no cure from it according to the law, according to the priest. So why did he have to be outside the camp and away from everyone else? Why did he have to be outside? There are two main reasons that really hang together, and the first one really makes sense to us. Right? The first is that the man who has the disease should be quarantined away so that the disease would not spread. Right? That makes sense to us. In order for the disease not to spread to healthy people, quarantine them, get them away from the rest of the group. This is before modern medicine. So in order, if we can't cure this thing, the best we can do is hope and pray that it will not spread to the healthy individuals that remain, so get him away. If you have young kids, then you understand this completely. Right? As soon as the flu season runs or rolls around, the first First little inkling of a sneeze that wells up, that child is away in their room, right? Locked up tight before you can say the word Lysol, right? We're going to quarantine little Timmy, put him away, and we hope and pray that this family's going to make it through flu season, right? So we understand, we quarantine them away, and it's the same for Israel. There's no hostility, there's no animosity. The leprous man goes outside the camp so that the rest of the people can remain healthy. Secondly, he must go outside the camp, lest he spread his uncleanness to them. Having leprosy makes an individual ceremonially unclean. They are unclean before God. And what we'll see is that uncleanness transfers to 
the clean through touch. And so in order to prevent the uncleanness from spreading to the clean individuals, the clean objects, whatever it is, you isolate them. Get them out. God cannot be in the presence of the unclean. He is holy. He is righteous. He is pure. And if he's going to dwell in the midst of the camp, those who are defiled, those who are unclean, cannot dwell. God's saying, if I'm going to be with you, then those who are defiled cannot. This is God's institution. He is the one that says, this is the way that you are to react to an individual. So the situation for this man was bleak. Absolutely bleak until Jesus comes into the town. Let me see what happens. Look back at your text. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He approaches Jesus. He has to cut through the crowds that are following Jesus, shouting, unclean, unclean, excuse me, I've got to get through here. I've got to get to this man. He breaks social protocol in order to have a chance to meet Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he falls on his face. He falls on his face. What you'll read throughout the Bible is that when an individual comes face to face with God, they fall on their face. Ezekiel, when he comes into the presence of God, rightly falls on his face. When the Ark of the Covenant is stolen away from Israel and put in the temple of Dagon by the Philistines, set right beside that idol, Dagon, overnight what happens? That idol falls on its face before God. If you've been in Sunday school class and you're going through the Gospel Project, Last week we talked about David and Goliath. Goliath standing, defying the armies of the living God. When David slings the stone and the stone sinks into David, or excuse me, to Goliath's forehead, he doesn't fall backwards. He falls forward on his face before the God whom he had defied. So this man rightly, instinctively, as he comes into the presence of the Son of God, falls on his face. And he begs. He begs Jesus. And in begging we see a glorious truth shine forth. That this man understands his need. He knows that he cannot heal himself. He knows that his situation is is bleak, that he is desperate. He knows he needs Jesus. He knows he can't do it on his own. He He knows he has nothing to offer Jesus in return. That Jesus himself is under no obligation whatsoever to help this man. But he simply comes and he pleads for mercy. From Christ. His hope rests squarely on Jesus. And look what he says. 
if you will. He never questions whether or not Jesus has the ability to do it. There's never any doubt in his head that Jesus has the ability, has the power to cleanse him, to heal him. That's never in any doubt. The question is, would Jesus be willing? Out of all the individuals that have come to Jesus, the crowds of people that are waiting to be healed by Jesus, would this man receive mercy from Jesus? If you will. I know you can. I know you can. But will you? Secondly, he says, you can make me clean. This is spectacular. He does not ask to be healed. He does not ask to be made well. He does not ask to have this shame removed from him. He does not ask to be removed from isolation. He knows his need goes deeper than that. He needs to be cleansed. So he asks, you can make me clean. Don't just heal me, Jesus. Make me clean. This is what he so desperately needs. And look what Jesus does. He does something so wonderful, something so amazing, something so unexpected for this man. He, he stretches out his hand towards the man. He stretches out his hand. All the crowd looking on, the disciples' shocked, surprised faces. Jesus, don't, don't touch the man. Don't touch him. If you touch him, you will become unclean. Don't touch him. How many times has this man heard that phrase in his life? How long has it been since he felt the touch of another human being? Lepers were, were outcasts. You don't want to catch what they have, so you don't touch them. Can you imagine the, the, the shame in the man's eyes? Tears welling up as he hears these all too familiar cries. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. Jesus, don't touch him. And yet our Lord stretches out his hand and touches him. This isn't accidental on Jesus' part. This isn't the woman with the discharge that, that touches Jesus' Uh, the hem of his garment and is made well. And Jesus says, whoa, who touched me? I felt power leave me. This is Jesus intentionally touching the leper. And what follows is one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel that we have. See, when Jesus stretches out his hand and touches the man, the uncleanness of the man does not transfer to Jesus, but rather the cleanness of Jesus transfers to the man. The uncleanness of the leper does not affect Jesus. Jesus affects the man. I will be cleaned, and in an instant, the leprosy leaves him. 
his body that has been disfigured by this disease is made well, is restored. The leprosy has left him. Church, when you come into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not infect him with your sin. He makes you clean. Some of you desperately need to hear this message. We need to see what Jesus does clearly. We need to understand that this man with the leprosy, that is all of us before Christ. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Sin has so infected our hearts and lives that it is killing us from the inside out and we don't even realize it. Our souls are disfigured. We are hurting ourselves day after day after day and we don't even know. There are a few of you in here that, that may relate very well to the story and think, Pastor, that sounds great that this leper was made clean. But you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what the wreckage is that has called my life. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know where I've been. I cannot become a Christian. Jesus wouldn't accept me. I would be the one to infect him with sin. And if that's how you think and feel this morning, then please let me introduce you to our Savior. Jesus is the holy, sinless Son of God who left the glory of heaven and came to earth in order to touch our lives. He's not absent from our struggles or our sin, but rather He meets us in our mess. That he doesn't tell the leper, hey, clean yourself up first, make sure you're okay, and then come back and talk to me. Rather, Jesus steps into the mess and touches the leper and says, I will be clean. That we don't have to work and strive to clean ourselves up before we come to Christ. We come to Christ knowing our need and he makes us clean. He does not keep his distance. He's not worried that our uncleanness is going to contaminate him. He walks directly into it to cleanse us. But like the man, we must see our need. You cannot come to faith in Jesus Christ if you do not know that you are in desperate need of him. Let me say that again. You cannot come to faith in Christ and be saved if you do not understand that you are a sinner and guilty before Him. If you don't see your need, and all of us need Christ, then you cannot and will not come to faith in Christ. We must see ourselves correctly. We must see our need before we come to Christ. We are all sinners in need of redemption. And one of the most beautiful aspects of the gospel is that those who understand that they're sinners and that come to faith in Christ, who come to Christ believing and trusting Him, regardless of your past, will not be turned away. That Jesus is not going to cast you out. Jesus is not going to 
reject you based upon what you have done. John 6, 37, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That if you come to Christ, only you can make me clean, Jesus. He's not going to cast you out. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. That Jesus doesn't say, fix yourself and then come talk to me, but rather says, I will make you clean. And that is available to us today. If you are here and you know that you are unclean before God, today is the day to trust Christ. Today is the day to come to faith. Today is the day to approach the Savior to cleanse you. Because you are without excuse for why you did not. We are without excuse. You have the opportunity today to be cleansed. He continues on. Look at verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. You see, according to the law in Leviticus chapter 14, after a man had been healed of his leprosy, he was to go to the priest who would declare him to be clean. Right? The priest can't fix the situation. He can't make somebody clean. But after the person has been made clean, the priest will recognize it and declare that it is so and offer the corresponding sacrifice or offering to God. And so Jesus sending this man to begin, it's showing Jesus' obedience to the law. Jesus sinless in that, yes, he did not commit a sin, but he also kept the law in full. He obeyed the ceremonial law all the way through. But also, it's very interesting. This man sins, is sent by Christ to a priest who would not have recognized Jesus as the Son of God, yet had to admit that only God could heal this man. So the priest, though would not have admitted Christ as the Son of God, had to admit, there was no other explanation, God had to heal you, Jesus healed me. So this unwitting priest had to admit Christ's true identity. Recognizing that only God can clean the leper. The law cannot. Our works cannot. Jesus can. Only Jesus can. And what is also amazing is that according to Leviticus 14, on the eighth day after the man had been declared to be clean, he was to return to the priest who would offer a guilt offering, offer an atonement for the man. And what we know is that in this situation, there is an atonement coming. That there was a time coming when Jesus sent him away. It wasn't going to be long before an atonement would be made. An atonement that would cleanse the sin of the leper and of the hypocrite, and of the tax collector, and Jew, and Gentile. 
but it wasn't an atonement of rams and goats. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Our redemption, our being cleansed from sin, comes at the cost of Jesus' life. He gave His life in order to make us clean in Him. Christ is the, the sum and substance of everything for the Christian. We are in Christ. Christ is the one that makes us clean. And when He died on the cross as a substitute for sin, buried and raised from the dead, He now cleanses anyone who will repent and believe the gospel. Jesus did not and does not save from a distance. He steps into this mess, dies on a sinner's cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and risen for us, for our redemption, for our cleansing, for our justification, for our glorification, for our sanctification as He cleans us up in the present. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He doesn't keep us at arm's length so that he doesn't get infected. He's willing to reach out his hand and touch us where we are. And that's why we, we celebrate, that's why we worship, but that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper that was given by Christ is not just another tradition that we do once a month. It's not just something that's devoid of meaning as we do it year after year after year after year. Some of you have been doing the Lord's Supper for decades. But it is a symbol, it is a recognition of what Christ accomplished. We get to participate together as a blood-bought body of Christ, celebrating the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ that came for our redemption. In eternity past, when the Father asked the Son, Son, would you be willing to, to go down there? Would you be willing to bear my wrath, to take on my curse in order to purchase for yourself? a people, because they can't do it on their own. Would you be willing to do it? Jesus looks down and in love replies to his Father, I will so that they can be clean. That's the hope that we have. And so I would ask the deacons to begin making preparations to come forward and serve the Lord's Supper as we pray. If there's anyone in here that you feel the Lord's calling, that today is the day. I know that I'm unclean before God. I've been putting this off. I've got, I've got so much stuff that I don't want to even get into. That's fine. I don't need to know. But you need to understand that Christ can make you clean. And He will do so. Today is today for you to, to be cleansed, to be saved. There's no better day. Let's pray together.
Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you do not save at a distance, but rather you came to us and you make us clean. In that we have hope, in that we have life. And I pray in the next few moments as we focus on what you did through, uh, through the, the bread and through the juice, that we would ponder and meditate and think deeply about Christ, who he is and what he did, that he is our cleanser, that he is our hope, and that we do not have hope apart from him. So Father, I thank you again for this time. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.